You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the 2022 New Year's Day Doctor Who special, Eve of the Daleks by Chris Chibnall. We've been doing this podcast for 12 years and I've never had to do this before, but uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. Warning! The following plot synopsis contains both editorializing and swearing. It's New Year's Eve. It's only been a few weeks since the Lupari put a shield around the Earth and the Centaurans invaded and pretty much... Most of the universe was wiped out of existence, but mankind is big and dumb and life has pretty much returned to normal on Earth. Sarah, owner of a massive but basically empty self-storage facility, hates working on New Year's Eve, but she does. And once a year, her one and only customer, Nick, comes in to store some stray item. He's a weird one, our Nick, and he's clearly got a thing for the caustic, self-interested Sarah. She, on the other hand, clearly holds him in the contempt that all good business owners hold their customers in. Meanwhile, the TARDIS, like many in the audience, really needs to get the last traces of the flux out. This is done by a complete reset, which is different from a reboot, which was done back in Village of the Angels. The TARDIS team will have to spend some time outside the TARDIS while the magic happens. The Doctor chooses a beautiful beach planet for their destination. You don't have to be a genius to guess where the TARDIS lands. In the self-storage facility. A Dalek comes and kills everyone. Really, everyone. Nick, Sarah, Dan, Gaz, and the Doctor. Dead. Real dead. Then a time loop happens, and they get to do it all over again. Only differently. Over and over again. While that happens, we learn just what a horrible person Sarah is, what a crazed lunatic Nick is, and how, after four to six time loops, they begin to come together in a romantic comedy, which will, if you're like me, have you shouting at the TV, shut the fuck up and get on with the plan before you die again. Which, I suppose, in retrospect, is a small victory for Chibnall, since I wasn't shouting for the Daleks to kill them. Mostly. Okay, once or twice. Eventually, and in the nick of time, the Doctor gets the Daleks to blow everything up, and they all escape through a door the Daleks never bothered to guard. Sarah and Nick embark on a new life together, traveling around the world where no doubt Nick will murder her and cut up her body and store bits of it in a self-storage facility. The end. I have been unavoidably noticed that the internet is relatively split on this episode. I'm in the no category. So what did you think of um, Eve of the Daleks? Um, well, if it's supposed to be a Marmite episode, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was good. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it at least. I wouldn't say it was my favourite Doctor Who episode, but as, you know, in terms of the kind of recent Christmas stories, <laughs> I feel like it's closer to delivering what, I look for in a Christmas story than most of the recent ones. So I, yeah, I, I, I guess, um, I guess some of it, some of it, some of it worked fine. Um, There were enough elements in it that I thought were entertaining and satisfying. 
but there were also some bits of it where I thought it kind of didn't it didn't necessarily fulfill the potential that I thought it had partly because I thought it was a you know it was quite a good a good concept it was nice to have a story that was a small scale base under siege type story after the big universe ending kind of thing mm-hmm. but it well it 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 i i i i guess you know most of my most of my complaints center around it kind of not not necessarily following following through you know there are there are element the elements in the story that are potentially interesting but they 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 aren't necessarily explored as much as they could be and i guess partly that's you know the result of it being a 60 minute story it's 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 an odd one that because i guess you know you'd have thought a small scale story ought to be something that could fit into 60 minutes mm-hmm. um but I, I i don't know i don't know um it i guess it has some work to do in terms of moving the story arc on the the kind of the the yaz storyline picking up a load of odds and ends from flux and that kind of thing and i don't want to say they bog it down because in some ways it's long overdue development that we're getting here but um yeah i have the the biggest problem with this the 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 get my blood pressure up screaming at the tv blood pressure up is all of those wasted moments of them talking instead of fighting for their lives oh you know i didn't come back for you it's like shut up shut up i wish i really was i i quoted myself i have said this in the past in some episodes but repeatedly shut up and get on with it shut up and get on with it minus the uh the the, the more uh expletive parts of it because it it's just frustratingly stupid to think that these people have eight minutes when they start and increasingly less, which by the way means about you have about 35, 36 minutes total in the, through the course of this 60 minute episode, which means they've stretched it out beyond the length of time they had to complete this time loop. And they just stopped to talk repeatedly over and over. They just stopped to talk and I'm not here for the talk. It's not good talk. And I, 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 I want to see them dealing with the problem at hand, which is the, the priority problem. This is a project management failure writ large. <laughs> right? I think the Daleks killing you should be the priority, not all of the other things that you are doing. And it, it just maddens me it's not exactly the, you're right it's not exactly the worst thing there are i i can kind of go well you know it's a little bit of mindless and if they had just dropped all of that they probably could have made this work for me i could have ignored some of the problems with the time loop or the you know etc et but this this constant stopping and starting its pacing is wrong it's just it maddening Banding is the only word I can think of for it. It just absolutely rubs me the wrong way. And it, it, it really, like, like very few episodes have, there, there have been ones that have made me mad, but this one just, you've got to c- cultivate a sense of urgency. So 
I mean, I, I, I see. So the interesting thing there it, that kind of ties back to what I was saying about timing is actually it's not the pacing that bothers. So I mean, first of all, I'm I am there for the talking. The talking was the stuff that I enjoyed in this episode. I don't particularly want my Doctor Who to be about project management. So having a little bit of character development or learning about some of the new characters do, that are in this. But do you at least agree those were not the moments to stop and be reflective? No. Um, I mean, I, I, I think some of the, some of the stopping and talking and making planning could, could have been sharper. Um, and I think that maybe comes back to the directing. I, I, I think in terms of the pacing, I, I thought that the, that was a good element of the direction. It was well paced. It was, it wasn't the structure that was problematic. It was the fact that they didn't necessarily have time to resolve some of the issues of the story in a more satisfying way within the time. Um, but I, I, if I had a criticism of the direction, it would be that some of the action sequences it wasn't it wasn't the big timing issues that were off. It was the small timing issues that were off. So. I mean, I, it probably does contribute to the same whether there is enough of a sense of urgency in it that you're that you're kind of questioning about. But it's it's the situations in which you're running away from a Dalek with a machine uh, energy weapon and gun, yeah. dodging and you know dodging the the laser bolts and succeeding in doing so. And you, I think, you need some really kind of sharp direction in terms of showing how that's possible and i guess it's not entirely mm-hmm. the direction because i think one of the one of the kind of problems that i had with this which was more to do with the kind of premise was in doctor who we've had a lot of situations where they have got out of very very tight situations where it appears that death is inevitable and then they've managed to spring it at the last minute and that has happened many many times countless times uh, not least because you know back in the days when there were cliffhangers that was what every cliffhanger was and these days you know you have within the structure of the episodes you've kind of got these points where uh you know you you, you ramp up the ten- tension and uh in order to create the suspense and excitement and that's that's all fair enough. We we're used to the doctor being so brilliant that she can get away from you know a situation that is apparently so impossible. And I we've I think we've touched on this when we've talked about the, the regenerations. The, the the problem that causes when the doctor does die and regenerate is that it's gotta be such a major situation that she's facing in order that she can't get out of it. Um that 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 does kind of present a real difficulty and what this episode has to do is it has to has to make it that she faces one dalek in a self storage unit in manchester and that's it curtains for her and all her friends mm-hmm. but not only that every time she encounters the dalek daleks the same thing happens it's not just one off it's it's multiple times mhm and that may and that makes it a little bit harder to take. I think with you know with the sharper direction, with the situation where they were really kind of taken by surprise and backed into a corner the first time round, yeah, okay, I could buy it. But they've chosen to do something with this premise, and I got to say, I love 
the premise. I mean, it's almost a kind of genre in its own right now. Groundhog Day is just one of my absolute favorite films. No Heaven Bent, Hell really... Sent, whichever one it was. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I'd forgotten. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, another great film. Source Code, another great film. Um, and I guess Heaven Sent falls into this category as well. When the time loop, I guess it doesn't quite Heaven Sent because the Doctor is on his own. But let, let's, let's just take the movies that kind of follow this pattern, that, that, that kind of set up this genre. The, the convention in, in all of them is that we have a character who is reliving the same period of time over and over again and trying to change the outcome. And so a part of that is exploring what happens when they change just one thing about their actions. And it, you know, it's great in terms of exploring that character and the, the, you know, the kind of the, the, the different approaches that you can take and the development that they can have as a result but it's always just one person. Everyone else is unaware mm -hmm. that this is a period of repeated time. Mm -hmm. And the consequence, if you change it so that everyone knows that it's a time loop, including your adversaries, mm. is that everything can change, not just one thing can change. In effect, it's just a piece of linear storytelling with a get-out-of-jail card when you die. Mm -hmm. and. That means, I mean, that has a number of consequences. It, 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 it kind of eliminates all of those interesting things I just talked about. But it also massively exacerbates this problem that the Doctor encounters the Daleks, or the Doctor and her friends encounter the Daleks in multiple different scenarios, not taken by surprise, and still mm -hmm. fail to defeat them. Yep. I lost count of how many times. And yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like... That was a that was a an unforced error in this episode. So, you know the thing about that, and I have something tangentially to that in my notes, and it's something I want you brought up that I want to mention as well. But the Daleks were once again. This is one of very very few instances where the Dalek is threatening. Dalek was one. I didn't really care for Dalek, but that Dalek was threatening. It was it was dangerous. It was viscerally dangerous whereas in most cases the daleks are comically awful so here we have a dalek that is both it is both incredibly dangerous because it shows up sees the doctor kills the doctor as a dalek should do over and over again but has not done for the 50 plus years of the show and here it does and that puts it out of phase but at the same time they can't hit the side of a barn in yeah. most scenes in this show and that's terrible. It's like, it's both, it's both, you can't have the Daleks both ways. They either have to be dangerous or they have to be, oh, my vision is impaired. I cannot see stupid. You know, it, it is, it is a, a real problem with this story and it, and it makes the Daleks not work. And I got lots of problems with the Daleks elsewhere, but the, the thing that, that you made me think of in a story like Groundhog Day, in a story like all the others, what is it? What is the the journey that you're supposed to go along with? You, you're, you're supposed to see Bill Murray figure out what he's doing wrong. You're supposed to see Bill Murray mm -hmm. grow. And when he finally grows to the point where he has 
learned his lesson, he gets out. Try to apply that to this story. The only two people that have that experience, well, only one person really, is Sarah. She doesn't get them out. It's not the fact that she learns her lesson that gets them out of this, right? It is, it is not ultimately yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. It, so, I mean, they've, they've wasted the premise. The doctor learns nothing in the course of this. The doctor and it, it's does not, like not there get better. The opportunity. There. Yes. I mean, the doctor, the doctor, there's obviously been a theme in this season about the doctor keeping things from her friends and not going to them for help and, and relying on them more. That, you know, that could have been a lesson. Or you could just, you know, take something like, groundhog day and just go well you know bill murray learns learns you know some he he's impatient and arrogant (laughs) and yeah all these kind of things that the doctor is it's not the doctor's never really um suffered from a surfeit of humility so there are there are definitely things there that the doctor could learn whilst also solving the problem of how to get them out of this yeah so and but not nothing and you know the the door is unexplored the back door is completely unexplored in this in this show uh they get to it once that's the point where sarah tells it to the doctor and mm-hmm. then they don't try to use that for another three or four loops i think it, it just uh, there, not... but there is there there is a bit of a potential problem in it that because I, I wasn't entirely clear where the force field came from i assumed ultimately that it was put there by the Daleks in order to Daleks, the doctor yes. escaping. But there's also presumably a very localized effect to the time loop thingy. <laughs> yeah, sort and, of. And and the the problem with that is is uh, Pauline McGlynn on the phone. I don't Oh mom, yes. Okay. I was gonna say it's mom. Mom is the problem. Is she outside the time loop because she is behaving like all of the people in groundhog day behave she is not aware that they are so i i kind of guess that makes sense but i would i don't know i i partly i would have liked to explore that more but i guess it it yeah it it does come back to this question of i guess they thought it was expedient to for just in terms of storytelling within the time to go we don't really have enough running time although actually what you just said about the the total time of the story against the running time does make me question that we don't have enough running time sort of explore them going through the same stuff and if we just have them all remembering what happened last time then we can move the story on more quickly because you don't have to repeat or re-establish everything actually uh-huh. I, I i i think if you look at films like source code or whatever you see how incredibly cleverly edited they are to minimize the repeat of the same sequences so that you don't feel like tearing your hair out because you're watching the same <laughs> unlike thing the, again. Unlike the trailer for this episode that they put well, out. I was on thinking YouTube, about it, yeah. it was eight minutes of just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, time loops, let's face it. We, we've talked about this before. Timey-wimey is tough. Time loops are tough too. I mean, that's got to be a tough ask but i mean the same thing the same thing is there in in heaven sent actually it's it's the the editing that shows you that the doctor is going through the same steps but you see them all the first iteration the second time you see a very truncated edited version like i don't know i guess the doctor doesn't remember does he 
Doctor no. doesn't remember. He he just works out that he's in a time loop and yeah. then takes an action to get him out of the time loop at the end of it. And that in constant repeat gets him. So yeah, it, it is a it's an unusual time loop uh story because obviously there's not much fun in most of them if the hero doesn't continue to move on. Because you know, there's no reason to predict that they would do something differently if they don't have different information. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I the mom was bugging me. It really was, because well, for two reasons. One, it says everyone's in a time loop. No, it doesn't. Everywhere. I think it says the opposite. How, how is it that mom? But mom is. But mom is She's saying the same the thing because she doesn't remember. But she says inside, different things. They do remember. But she is looping in time. She must be because we keep our people keep talking to her, and she keeps calling into it at a certain time, and she says different things. So she. But so she's she's in a different phase of the time loop, but but she must be. I, it would have been better if they had not well, had any outside contact. That was a that was just a mistake. They should have just left that out of it. I don't know why she's she's not. I, I don't instrumental I, no, I to this agree. story in any way, shape, or form. And the time, no, just the because time, she the time loop at the is, end. No, I no, I think I think I think I think that that having that work the way it does is is perfectly consistent. Because you have to have a different setup if you're going to have them remembering they're inside the time loop. The time loop has to be localized unless everyone in the world is experiencing the set well, the world, the universe. I mean, no limits. When you have when you have any of these other time loops that we're talking about, and only one person is realizing they're inside a time loop, there is no need to have a boundary around it. The whole world can be looping over and over again. And the only things are changing that are changing are the things that your hero is having an interaction with. And, and they themselves don't realize that those changes are occurring. And in a way, this is doing exactly the same thing, except it's expanding from having one hero, one person who realizes they're in the time loop, to everyone who is within this localized field realizing they're within the time loop. And everyone outside, it's just the same thing there is only any change if someone from inside interacts with outside and that's what happens here i think we've got a a minor just a some difference in semantics here obviously mom has had to experience this over and over she doesn't remember it it didn't happen but she definitely is getting she has also done this eight times mm -hmm. and as has and everyone, it's been yeah. different yeah, as 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 apparently everyone. Like I say, if they had just not communicated outside the building, we wouldn't have this. And I don't understand why we did do that. It just complicates things. And the fact that mom calls and talks and causes the Daleks to shoot would have been a trivial problem to come up with a different way. Like, I yeah, don't know, I, no, a I recording think... on the phone. You just record yourself with a, a little bit of a delay and then put the phone there and played it back. You, did, you didn't need to go outside that into the outer world over and over again. And I, I no, I, 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 I agree. I thought it was a contrivance to have her as the trigger because you could have used the phone as a trigger in any number of ways. Right. I liked, I liked having her in it. I thought that would, you know, wouldn't it would not have been. Is she it, famous? It, it, would, it, would, it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in a, a, a sitcom. Hang on, Father Ted. 
So it could be, uh, she could just be, uh, like we needed a cameo or in somehow. And that's the only way I could work it out or something. Okay. It's well, no, well, no, I, I mean, I think, I think regardless of the performance, I liked, I liked the fact that you know, it, it gave Ashton B's character a kind of additional dimension and I <laughs> liked their relationship and yeah, I, I mean the whole character, not just the fact it was Pauline Lynn. How, how, how then do the Daleks coordinate actions outside the time loop? Because they know to send more Daleks on different loops. Well, presumably if, if they are outside the localized field, they're not aware like of anything Mom. going on until they get an interaction from within. So if a Dalek within, they're the ones that are inside realize what's going on. And so they can do the equivalent of phoning their mum. They phone the other Daleks and say, send reinforcements. But they didn't seem to do that. They they seemed to be, for example, we kill the people. There's one Dalek, we kill the people, the loop resets, and immediately we get a different configuration of Daleks showing up. Did we? Yeah, I, I thought think there were always two in the building. Well, of course, at the end, there were three. But no, I thought there was... The only time they had this, they started with two when the first one, when one appeared in the lobby instead and killed, uh, killed Sarah right away. See, I thought it was one turned up at 11.53 or whatever, and another one turned up at 11.56 or whatever it was. But it was, all, there were always two of them in that original, in the kind of well, timeline, whatever it is. Kind of funny because we've spent decades of them having three Daleks pretending to be 50. And in this, we have no clue how many Daleks were actually. Because, <laughs> you know, one Dalek walking up a corridor looks just like every other Dalek walking up, gliding down a corridor. Well, uh, and, and it's so was, disjointed in the way they're telling the story that... I mean, there were three we only ever, Yeah, but we only ever... Yeah, I know. But I mean, we, have, we have been conditioned over the years to kind of, eh, you know, just sort of fudge the numbers on the Daleks. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I felt like there was a line in this that said something about that this time they've sent two. No, I don't think so. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not likely to go watch it again, but, um, you know, maybe for the 70th anniversary. Uh, but uh, I, I, I feel like there's two now? Yeah, I'm sure somebody said that. Well, no, they detected there was a second Dalek. There, there was there was a comment about the fact there was a second Dalek. But that I, that I'm not sure means there there are there are a lot of things in the dialogue in this episode that you can take multiple ways. And I'll give you an example of one. Uh, is Nick really her one and only customer? Because no. she says that she said that. But does she mean he's the one and only customer that comes in on New Year's, or does she mean he, or that he's the one and only customer? that's there right now or does she mean he is truly her one and only customer because the storage facility looks like he's her one and only customer um but and i you know i want to i, I want to pick on it but then on the other hand I'm like, well maybe she just she she's she's so awful uh that when she's talking to people that I, I don't know putting stake in any words that she says but um i I don't know. And I mean, he comes in on New Year's to bring in a Monopoly board. I mean, if he was really smitten with her, I'm sure he could find other times when she, I mean, he's 
obviously a good stalker. So uh, I, I just, I feel like there was a lot of things said that just really couldn't mean what they said. And yeah, no, I think that's right. So, think that's right. and so that line about, oh, there's two now or whatever it was, he said, cause I swear there was a time-based yeah, but association that was the with that. That was the doctor. No, well, no, the doctor said the second, there's a second Dalek signal in different parts of the building. And Yaz says something about it being an echo. And, and the doctor said, no, there's two of them. And then later there's three. So definitely three because they're standing next to each other. But well, and also there's the time where the two of them kill. But just because, other. just because the doc, the, just because the doctor's spot second Dalek signal at that point is not a, it's not a like 1153. So it doesn't mean there has always been two of them. It just means there are now two of them in the building at the point at which she spots second Dalek. So forget the time loop. Just there could have been a Dalek turning up at, at 11.53 and then a second Dalek turning up a couple of minutes later. So the, the Dalek, the one Dalek comes in, kills everybody. It loops. Does the, 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 the one Dalek in the room, he also loops? Am I, am I right there? The one, the the, the one say, Dalek we I see in the first loop. Okay. Yeah. The in the first loop we see one Dalek. One Dalek kills everyone. Yeah. Okay. Then the loop happens. Yeah. So now the Dalek has looped back as well, like everyone else inside well, every, the loop. Everyone loops. Everyone loops back. Okay. So and the Dalek is aware now, of it. and the Dalek is aware of it. Yeah. So later, another Dalek shows up. Whether that's later in this loop or whether that's later in a because well, it's not it, it, meta I, I think, to the I loop. think the other no 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 the other thing about this is that the loops don't go to midnight they go to ah. whenever as far as I can tell they go to the point at which the doctor is killed because the doctor is always killed last so I, I was you know I was trying to work it out is it that or is it we just don't bother to watch what happens to afterwards killed, but it's not everyone because the Daleks are life forms and they don't die in this. So it has to be that some subset of the the life forms within the localized field die in order to reset the loop. And the most likely thing is because of the connect, because the, the of the TARDIS being the right. source of the time loop and the connection the doctor has with it is it is when the doctor dies that the loop resets. Or maybe there, there we're just following the doctor's perspective in this. That's I mean, the, the, cre- the question might be that you that that because it could be the loop runs to midnight and then resets. But why midnight? I mean, why the hell midnight? Because you know, New Year's Eve. Um, but but I'll say this: there is a line at the end of this that implies that the reset does occur when the doctor is killed, not because the doctor is killed, or yes, because of the doctor is killed, but because the TARDIS triggers the loop then right it's the tardis trying to keep the doctor alive sure okay yeah that 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 tallies i I missed the line but that tallies she she thanks the doctor at the end or she thanks the tardis at the end for the time loop or something like that yeah yeah that that ties in but uh, i hadn't noticed it was always when the doctor dies because sometimes other people die at the same time as the doctor but you know and the convention would be we don't care about the other people so it we would be following it. But yeah, no, my thought was kind of that, you know, the loop might continue on after they're dead, but why bother to show what's happening for us? You know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. 
just from the audience standpoint, why, why do, oh, they could have fit in some more time of the Daleks talking. The Daleks could have done some soap opera stuff. Sorry, Daleks do not soap opera stuff. I do, I do, I do definitely appreciate it, but I think, I suspect that Chibnall decided to call the character Nick purely so that, For that line. Nick Briggs, who, as you know, voices the Daleks, would have the line, I am not Nick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, it's also maybe he's saying something about how creepy he thinks Nick Briggs is by making a character uh, a serious uh, a serious threat to society. Um, I'm I see I I I I it's it's an aspect of the story I don't think quite works, and yet I thought it was quite interesting. I found Nick's character quite interesting. He wasn't a boring character. Um, but the resolution was a bit worrying. It's like how it's handled because obviously his behaviour was quite creepy, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's kind of called out by Ashling B. And I thought that was you know that was kind of fairly straight down the line. Fine, okay, but they was they were treading a line there. I thought they could have they could have just brushed that under the carpet in a kind of love actually sort of a way which would have been dreadful or they could have gone for the kind of very lazy assumption that anyone who has kind of social anxiety or compulsive behavior is an axe murderer type notwithstanding that that was what you suggested in the synopsis that's what they suggested too <laughs> no I mean, they he denied it they I, they they, they they don't they don't they they there's like a moment where they think did he is he which i think is is they very said that to him they, they said that to him they yeah. ask are they, they dead no no and he goes no 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 nothing like that except now you've put the idea in his head oh i hadn't thought of that yeah dead so i think that's the moment that sarah sealed her fate I yeah think that's the i kind moment of she I put the of, idea in I his head that, that he's gonna kill her Cut i mean her that's, a, that's a very kind of Time time was that would have been the way any kind of character like that would have been treated. It would always have been the kind of hackneyed, unless unless you are uh, the the kind of regular, terribly socially confident type who behaves in a in a normal way. Then you have to be some kind of extreme weirdo. It's like. They're, they're, I mean, in the hands of a sensitive writer, perhaps, but in the hands of a man who made his well, name I think the interesting from thing writing is about this, pedophile this killers, Mo- Moffat would have Moffat would have done something like this. But I think he would have, I think, I think he would have walked that line a little bit more success. Or no, maybe he would have done it more convincingly. Because again, because again, I think the, the problem is either going the kind of the the lazy this guy's a killer kind of approach, or kind of going in the direction they did of there being kind of romantic resolution with with uh ashton b's character are both it doesn't it that doesn't doesn't work i mean one is just terribly simplistic but the other one is also just not really credible and also slightly worrying because I don't think you want to necessarily diminish the creepy, creepy behavior. On the one hand, you don't want to say anyone, anyone who is a bit of a misfit needs to be ostracized. But on the other hand, you don't necessarily want to suggest that because you, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that 
she is in a potentially vulnerable position if he is dangerous and there isn't time in the episode and this is where it comes back to the time there isn't time in the episode to kind of resolve exactly what's going on with him so yeah an end an ending that resulted in a in a more kind of sympathetic look i i do find you a bit weird but i do also appreciate the fact that you've tried to protect me and maybe we well, should look out for each other but not necessarily go traveling around the world together yeah on, a, on their quote first day um I, I i so here here's the thing if we want to isolate the characters sarah in a way i mean she's a she is an unpleasant human being and i don't believe that she's reformed at the end of this however better perhaps but she is definitely an unpleasant human being we'll come back to that but she does get the opportunity to see how her behavior is not the only way to behave she abandons nick knowing he's going to die when he comes to help her and then she finds out about it she lies about it oh yeah i was i, I, I was coming which means she knows hey maybe i should have done something like that it, on the next try she's she's going to help him but she's going to abandon everyone else i mean she is not a she's not a, a she's not a keeper and uh, i uh but but she does learn through her mistakes although she does not learn through her mistake of abandoning the doctor and the others that's just well it didn't work this time so i'll she didn't she doesn't see she doesn't learn that they were looking out for her any because they all are just looking out for everyone so they're looking out for themselves as well so it doesn't come off as well as when nick try literally tries to go find her so i i can see a little bit of material that she is given to work with to grow so in the Groundhog Day situation, she is getting more and more information about how maybe her behavior is the the wrong behavior. Nick, on the other hand, I don't see that. And yes, we have the scene where he takes the time in their life and death battle to take that entire storage facility and pile all his stuff up so that the Dalek will blow it up so that he can get closure, which is absurd um again that's the get on with the story stop with that that doesn't that doesn't work for me in sarah's case it works for me kind of because it it gradually dawns upon her from her actions in his case i don't see that it's just he he kind of i don't know i'm not even really sure what it is that finally trips him over the edge is it the fact that everybody keeps calling him a weirdo for hanging on to the stuff is it because sarah says you know they're not going to come get that stuff. Oh, I guess I need to. Go. It's because I, I, Sarah says it's his fault. So that's not true. And that's not true. So therefore it isn't his fault. That's just Sarah being the obnoxious person that she is. So it's still not really a growth moment for him. It's just. No, no, no. I don't think that's a growth moment for him. I, I, but I think it's. Uh... But he needed one and he didn't get one in this. All he got was he finally got the girl he wanted. Oh, I, I, no, I, I, I think, I think there was a, as you say, the kind of the letting go, which was demonstrated through the, the quip when the Dalek destroyed all his stuff. I don't, I got the impression that he put that stuff up there for that purpose, though. Well, he put the stuff there because he was trying to delay the Dalek. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, I do, like I say, I do think I have a, 
I don't think I don't think the I don't think the character's journey goes as far as the ending suggests it has done. I don't necessarily think it has to, but I I do find that a little bit problematic. I think that I think that Ashling B's character does as you as you say does kind of learn some stuff from she 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 feels guilty and then does something about it in the next loop. And one of the scenes I did particularly like between them that I did think worked much better than the ending was the scene where they're hiding and she says I've got to tell you something, you know, I I I lied to you and I thought I was going to say she's going to try and take back what she said back there immediately before he went out and sacrificed himself because she's still feeling guilty about that. And instead she says, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to come to find you. So what she's doing is rectifying her dishonesty rather than trying to be even more dishonest, telling him that something that she said, which hurt him she's in fact you know going back and saying something else that she said which was designed not to hurt his feelings but which was a lie she's now undoing that that lie so i i i liked that scene in particular and i thought that you know the, the there was more potential for exploring how their relationship could develop not necessarily as a relationship per se but as in two human beings being more honest with each other yeah I, I mean, I really enjoyed Sarah's character. I mean, partly I think that's Ashling B's performance. So is she I also someone? Because, again, she's she's a non-entity in my eyes. I've never seen or heard do, of her before. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as uh, familiar with her as I was with Catherine Tate before she was cast. But I'm thinking there is there was a huge similarity here because the part was probably written with her in mind i would imagine because you know those those kind of parts tend to be and she has a kind of acerbic quality a down-to-earthness and the ability to call out the doctor when it is absolutely essential that someone does so in a way that reminds me of Catherine Tate, because much as I loved the the David Tennant's performances of the Doctor and a lot of the kind of the the writing behind that, he was incredibly arrogant and pompous, and that unchecked became a problem, and Donna tempered that. So if the Doctor is going to go around giving these aren't humans great speeches, and admittedly this was the one point where I. I did think that Sarah should have said something instead of just deal, but there were there were other moments where she points out that the doctor has got them all into this. The doctor is saying, trust me, a total stranger, because it's the only logical thing to do. And she's saying, whoa, hang on a minute. This is exactly the opposite of the most logical thing to do. You are actually, as far as I'm concerned, the problem. I I kind of think that there is there has been a thing going on with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, where although obviously in in some ways she's not got the kind of omnipotence of Tennant's Doctor, she's she's kind of buying into her own legend. Sometimes she needs to be taken down a peg or two, and I think Sarah should have become a companion. 
I wish she had. Mm. I have said this most of most of this year's episodes, though. I like, yep, I wanted Carvinista to become a companion. Yep, I wanted Jericho to become. That was a last companion. year. Now I want. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this but, this ex- extended season, this last few months episodes. Uh, well, okay, so you you let's let's take a step off onto something. We're fifty three minutes into our recording time, and. You know, we've not mentioned a thing really about Dan and Yaz, the actual companions who, mm-hmm. in a companionly fashion, do little or nothing in this episode. Um, I'll I'll hit Dan first. This guy is still too good to be true. Again, he is relatively new to this, and yet, well, hang on, he's had in a situation several well, years relative, of it of well. Not with the doctor. No, but in the doctor's sphere, aware of her and in the kind of time-traveling adventure. I still think that the fact that Dan goes, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll go stall him and die, and I'll catch you on the next loop, is a pretty impressive leap of faith. Yeah. That's an impressive leap of faith. And he does a really good job avoiding the Dalek until the moment that he decides not to. Do you notice that? And he's spinning around, keeping the gun from shooting him. Ha ha. I could I could do that for the entire eight minutes. I don't care how dizzy I got. <laughs> I could keep going. I mean, if if delaying the Dalek is all you're trying to do, why not delay the Dalek for as long as you can? But he doesn't. He stops. He goes, I think I've I think I've delayed. He doesn't say that out loud, but I've delayed long enough. Now I can just stand here. Go ahead and kill me. Which is what Again, he does. I that's that's if insane. That, if that's the direction, because most you know most of my criticism around the the direct i mean i'm not i'm not wild about the design or the lighting or any of it but it's particularly those action sequences where you don't quite understand why someone has escaped being shot by a dalek or you don't quite understand why someone couldn't escape being shot by the dalek or in this particular scene with dan both because initially it seems a bit implausible that he isn't being shot by the Dalek. And then, as you say, how, you know, what, 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 you need to know what changes. Why is it that he suddenly is unable to, to withstand the Dalek any longer? And you know what would have been much better for the Daleks, for Dan, for the story, infinitely better is if he had continued, or perhaps he tried to get behind the Dalek and keep its, keep it pointing the other way. And the Dalek fried him with an external case shield or something killed him in a completely different way it's like uh we we learn we learn from our mistakes you know all those times people would get behind the daleks and push us and over a cliff we've learned we've put an electroplating in there or we blast them and and that's all they could have done so dan could have tried to continue to survive and the dalek could have killed him a different way yeah and we said oh daleks are more threatening than we thought daleks were Suffocate him with a sink plunger thing that they did in. Yes, could have been any of the number of any of number of things that they could have done, and it would have been better than having Dan stop. And it just proves that Dan was intentionally sacrificing himself. He did not run down there with the intent of surviving and delaying the Dalek. He ran down there with the intent of dying. And I still think Dan is just awfully. As as my kids would say, he's awfully sus. 
he's too good to be true and he's too willing to go along with this and I, I like him i'm not one of the people that does not like dan i like dan he's he, i really do enjoy the the character and his his witty comments and but there is just something wrong either with the way he's written or they are trying to send up send up the red flags about dan he he's just too good at this i don't to... i yeah i don't I, I mean i'm not one of the ones who dislikes his character but i don't like his character because i feel like there is still a bit of a vacuum there i like I, I do... the performance i feel like he's incredibly likable and it the you know there's charisma there and the scenes in which he is are enjoyable but the character still hasn't had much development i still don't really understand it's because he's the master and that's that, that that does make it difficult to know or, or the know, run whether, Maybe he, he's the whether run. he is behaving in an odd way <laughs> i do like the fact that dan acknowledged that he and yaz have spent four years together uh-huh I, like you know as we, as we mentioned at the end of flux it really did seem to be that they flu- that they fluxed over Sure, why not? They fluxed over. They just <laughs> glossed over when Jericho died. This is somebody that spent yeah. four years with them, and he just dies. <sniffs> yeah, there we go. I hardly knew him. We only met him last episode. Oh, wait, that was four years ago. Yeah, so at least we have we have that, that, that they've got a bond. They have formed a bond uh, between the two of them. And it, maybe it's still a little weirdish but you know it's 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 there um let's see yes i stand by my flux analysis the power dynamic between her and the doctor makes it as creepy as it it just uh and i absolutely detest every time the doctor i i don't know says something she doesn't like she gets all pissy i i Happened what at least three times in this episode, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't entitled, I still, I still entitled. Don't uh, I, I still, I still don't have a problem with it. I like the fact that it has been acknowledged. I feel like it has been strung out, but yeah, there we go. I did think it was quite interesting that. They clearly chose to to make it clear that the Doctor is aware of the way that Yaz feels and is ignoring it, well, rather than... I mean, did not the Doctor acknowledge the way Martha feels, but was more or less ignoring it too? No, I, I think there was more of a thing there of, of um, the Doctor actually in some way being unable to read those kind of uh, human moods, as it were. You know, he, some, somehow his his brain runs on another level. Well, what makes or... you think this doctor noticed? Because I, uh, I have that as a question here. Dan I, I have that as a question. He said so. Dan says so. Dan noticed. Yeah. yeah. And, and... Dan, said, Dan, Dan, said, and Dan says to the doctor, and, and you're aware of it, and you're pretending not to be aware of it. And the doctor does not deny that. Mm, I maybe. I'm not as I'm not as 100% on board that it's hard to tell, but it could just be the performance is not particularly very good. I mean, Yaz has got the mooning stuff down or or 
Mandip Gill has got the mooning stuff down. I don't think Jodie Whittaker's got her end of this bargain right. I I mean, but it's I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I I think I think it's been deliberately hidden, but it's it's explicit in the dialogue. I, I I'm I'm just you know hoping. I don't know. I don't know who should die first between the two of them. I don't know whether Yaz should sacrifice her life for the doctor or whether the doctor should sacrifice her life for Yaz. I I feel like that's common. I feel like that's well, where we're headed. But, we, yeah. uh, um, I mean, we know it's not going to work out, obviously. And, and won't know, Yaz be surprised? Well, she doesn't know what we know. Yeah, the doctor is going to regenerate. Yeah. Soon. I wonder if they'll get rid of the companions before the regeneration. You know, <laughs> I think there has to be there, there. There pretty much has to be a resolution before the regeneration. It's it's got to work like that because the regeneration has to happen at the end of the episode. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And if they don't, if they don't do closure for the companions, they won't have it. They won't be able to tell that story. And I would imagine they want to clean house so that RTD can do his own thing. Destroy the TARDIS. Move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I really, really, Yaz puts me off. She she was such a promising character. And this this needy, I get angry every time I don't get things my way. Just, it's not, doesn't anger me as much as them talking when they should be trying to keep alive. But it it really just comes off wrong. It, and and it, it's not, it's not a good way to behave. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's not good. The Doctor, two things. I only have two things about the Doctor in this episode. The first is, the Doctor shouldn't have been holding the idiot ball when the episode started. But unfortunately, it didn't work that way. You're going to reset the TARDIS. You're all going to die if you don't get out the door in seven seconds. You're going to go to a place where you can spend some time and relax. You arrive in said place, and you don't bother to look out the door. You don't bother to say, hey, Yaz, hey, Dan, why don't you step outside the door and hold the door open? Because when I fling the switch, we got seven seconds. Instead, we fling the switch and then all run for the door and find out you're in the wrong place. Didn't think that was one of the doctor's finest moments. And the other thing that was not the doctor's finest moment was that rambling, incoherent speech. The wee, 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 wee speech when she was trying to rally the troops. The witch. We, 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 we. Oh, yeah. She said, we do this, we that, and the other, and we do this, and then we do it again, and we do this, everything. And we, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to go back and transcribe it, but it was it was rambling and incoherent. Instead of explaining what the plan was for the next time, it was supposed to be rally the troops, and, and in the next couple of loops, we'll get this taken care of. It's just, I think it was done in the lobby all by the I think by the front door, but I, I won't swear to that. Where oh, you it was. don't mean the aren't humans great speech. Maybe. Is that the one, one of the where things I was she hoping that Sarah on? wouldn't just say deal and would say, you know, stop being so pompous. I don't know. I don't know if that was part of it because it was so bad. That I was kind of like, Oh God, get on with it. <laughs> like it was, it was no Capaldi speech. Let's put it that way. I, I, don't know that that was it. It was the longest babbling bit the doctor did in the episode, I think, uh, to everyone there. Mm, in the it room. wasn't that. I don't know what it was. But uh, yeah, my notes are we, 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 we. 
we, we, because right. I was typing it like we, and we, and then we this, and then we that, and then the other, and then we this, and none of those things were things that they actually are going to do. Like we're going to go get this stuff, and then we're going to go get that, and then we're going to go put the fireworks, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. It was all about we're going to live, and then we're going to die again, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to try something else, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to that. And it was, it was just, ah. Because that's what we do. And so it may have been the, but I don't think it was the aren't humans wonderful thing. <sighs> and, uh, you know, the one thing they will say, I think, I think the reason that Sarah ends up with Nick is because she realizes that he must be rich because maybe things are different in the UK, but I used to have, well, not me personally, but a, a, an organization I worked with used to have a storage facility that we had to pay for uh, that was about one-tenth the size of the one that Nick has. And that was costing us $1,500, $1,800 a year. And those are sold by space. So uh, he's he's banking serious buck to keep that storage, gigantic storage room available for uh, for just keeping his old mementos of people so maybe she just put two and two together it's like okay well he's kind-hearted a little weird he must be loaded he can probably pay for me to go around the world yeah that's my that's my take on her actually i should say that we should mention something one okay some designer thought wouldn't it be cool if we put a gatling gun on the front of a dalek but why you know the purpose of having a, a, a a gatling gun effect when it comes to a mechanical round is to use is to speed up the firing of of physical bullets and to use some of that mechanical energy in the process of ejecting and although a lot of gatling guns use external power as well but but it it looked kind of cool but i can't figure out why you would need that with an energy weapon it's like uh what does that accomplish that just firing doesn't accomplish it can't be faster it can't import impart more energy. It didn't make a lot of sense. And also, of all the times that the doctor has defeated the Daleks, killed millions, billions of Daleks, um, this time, oh, you wiped out our fleet, which apparently is not all the Daleks. Uh, this time we're mad at you. We're gonna we're gonna kill you. Finally, not counting the chase, but. Right? I mean, it is it is kind of weird that the Daleks finally get around to this again. After all those years, it's like, oh, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah. I'm kind of mad about that one. Let's, let's, oh, no, sorry, but Daleks don't get mad. Um, anything you want. Daleks don't, don't whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. They, hmm, that was a little, uh, and, and, and so then there's that line where the doctor says something like my past is catching up with me. Is that she talks about consequences. Yeah. Well, there's a, isn't there a line where Yaz says something about, you said your past was catching up or something. And, and the doctor, of course, dismisses that because obviously she's not going to talk about it with her friends. But it was like, what are they talking about? Why would the Daleks coming after to kill you and you suddenly go, oh, yeah, well, I guess these sort of things happen after you mm, destroy the Daleks 10,000 times over the last thousands of years? I, I, unless there was something else and I just didn't get what she was referring to. I think that's what's coming, isn't it? 
I think I think we need to put a pin in that. You're thinking that's the the prediction that the forces are massing against it's of Mars the, being yeah, mastered against of, her. He is returning, and they are returning, and the trends law stuff. It's it's the equivalent of all that. It's you know not something I'm particularly keen. This on. is basically a premonition of a regeneration. She she is that is eh, that is yeah. I know I'm going to die soon. Okay. That, so getting getting things in order and now is not the time. I, I I'll say this though. You know, I think there was some there was some hope in fandom that having come out of the flux with so many holes and missing pieces and bits, and there were a lot of people that were on the train that said, Well, they did all nine episodes at once, so really they're just gonna kind of keep you know cleaning up the little bits or or you know bell and vinder will be back or yeah, think we've what yeah 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 because you know what what was their point if they didn't I, this is hey, their story was was the flux story mm. i don't think we'll see them again well i hope not but uh i, I but i there has been that kind of like i i feel like the flux is undone that we left the flux not finished uh the flux itself, yes, the little fluxy bit's gone, but the the consequences, the the nature of what happened, there's an awful lot of yeah, you know, the the grand dragon. It's like how how is that done? <laughs> how is the, the grand dragon done? Whatever his name was, the Mister Snakey Dude. Oh, you mean the Grand Serpent? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I think I think we might see him again. Yeah. Okay, but th- there um, are several my... things like Bell and Vinder and 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 Die, and who's obviously Bell and, Bell and, uh, Bell and Vinder. I mean, I think the I think the Grand Serpent, there, his story was part of the Flux story, but there is sufficient potential there where you could see they might want to bring him back. Bell and, Vin- Bell and Vinder, not only was their story complete within Flux but also it was kind of integral to Flux. I don't know how it would work outside it, and I don't know if there's enough interest in the characters to bring them but back they are, it. they are part of the, the Grand Serpent's world. Right? I mean, they are... They are. Vinder used to work for them. Right? I mean, they, yeah, they, sure there is a connection there. So, I mean, it, it makes but, sense that if they bring back the Grand Serpent, that those people might come back in that story as well, because they well, are if there was, associated if there was, I, I guess it's possible, but there's However, no, you know, there's no kind of obvious reason to do that. Whereas bringing the Grand Serpent back, I kind of feel like it would be a bit of a waste not to. But and in, so, and in but, particular, I I think that the the unit thing is definitely going to come back. But I'm now thinking I was thinking it was going to be the next special. I'm now thinking mm-hmm. it's going to be the final special because I'm assuming we're not going to see unit in 19th century China. That that's my point. That's my point here is that for all the things that you could have come out of the flux and say, oh yeah, you, these little pieces are going to be hanging threads. Apart from the fact that the TARDIS was a mess and they fixed that, and there was no hope in my mind. I mean, there was like a one percent hope in my mind that when they reset the TARDIS, it would look like a decent TARDIS when it was done. But I knew that wasn't possible because they're not going to waste money building a new TARDIS set just to get rid of it no. in two specials. So I knew it was going to reset to the big, nasty, orange, blue, ugly thing. And it did. But at least they paid lip service to it. It's like, oh, yeah, the TARDIS was a mess when we left. Let's fix it. Fine. Boom. Done. 
but apart from that, this episode does not really pick up much in the way of the access stuff. It does not look like the next one will. I, oh, I, I do know about that. I, I, I mean, I think, I think the thing about the New Year's one is that it has to be relatively standalone because I think it actually probably does cater for slightly an or an or a kind of casual bank holiday or holiday type audience who largely drunk may not have seen all of the kind of flux episodes may not stick with the show but you need to give them something that they can understand if they're just dropping in and this but story the... as you say had allusions to flux and picked up on a couple of things within the arc but broadly it could be watched on its own terms whereas i don't think that necessarily has to be true of the other specials because the the mm. and unless they happen to coincide with holiday i mean i don't kind of think what other kind of holiday I, viewing times there are it will be the doctor who the regular doctor who audience who will be watching them maybe maybe i mean you're going to put on a special event you're going to have to you're going to have to push it i i'm i'm guessing that instead maybe two or three of these stories were the ones that chibnall actually said you know that would make a good standalone story let's pull it out of when we condense down the, the season but here's my question if you're in 19th century china has the universe been destroyed yet time well, I, travel, thought, huh? I thought the flux <laughs> was a was a space and time event although did they undo time running wild i mean initially it was a space and time event wasn't it uh i thought the flux was a space event and swarm was a time event <laughs> Weren't they? <laughs> I thought they were two competing forces. Anyway, anyway, I, I kind of am looking forward to the next one. I, I'm I'm hoping because it's set in the olden days and in Asia and, and has sea devils in it. I really, I got, I enjoyed the trailer for the next time more than I did this entire episode. More than I did the flux. And I'm afraid my worry is that the Sea Devils will have as much screens time as the Cybermen did. Although, since they put their name in the title, maybe no, because they because they've had to redesign the Sea Devil. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I I I think I mean, I would be quite happy if they had as much time as the Cybermen because I I'm start I'm starting to think that I had this theory that in the the second Jodie Whittaker season we got all of these kind of returning villains because the BBC were insisting on putting in the kind of the monsters that really pull in the audience because they're very very well known etc etc and that it would be Chibnall's preference to have really gone for kind of more original stories rather than doing sequels all the time because that entire first Jodie Whittaker season mm. was all original stories whereas the fact that she's brought back the sea devils I think they're going to be in the in the whole episode the they're they're a little bit more niche, shall we say? I mean, are they really going to pull in the punters, the sea devils? I don't know. I know but a let's lot face of it. kind of 50, 50 men in their fifties have been on Twitter going, "Well, hey, sea devils." I and think I the mean, sea I devils. I understand that because they they're kind of. I mean, I, I, I don't dislike the sea devils, so I do wish if they're bringing them back, they were bringing back their sexy string vests. <laughs> so I mean, we, you know, when we talk about the sea devils, sea devils, first up, the Chibnall already ruined the Silurians. So, I mean, he took something that, that had at least sort of a pattern and he completely wiped it. Um, so, I mean, he may do the same thing with the sea devils, although it, it, looked, it looked good. It looked good. I'll, I'll say that. It looked like a sea devil. It was obviously a sea devil. Uh, if you'd seen a Silurian, 
and just said, here, what's this? You go, I don't know. Not a Silurian. That much I know. But uh, this, the Sea Devils have a real place. And it should have been in that episode where the, I don't know, the the the, the one on the beach with the plastic and the, the underwater sub. And the, do you remember that one? Praxis. Was that Praxis? Is that what you mean? It's on Earth. Well, there and, were lots of and there was a there. submarine trapped underneath the, the sea. And that should have been the Sea Devils. Cold War? No, no, it's a Whitaker. It's Whitaker. Okay. It felt like that should have been the Sea Devils. And because there's the environmental message and there's the stop screwing around with the oceans. The Sea Devils are perfect for that. They could absolutely be used to hit a heavy-handed message. And it's the right creature to do that with. Have my doubts I mean, are going to do that in If you want a heavy-handed message, you want a Malcolm Hulk monster. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's in the tradition. I, 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 believe that's the, I believe that's the point. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it feels like it's that's the right was the right avenue back then, and it wasn't. And there were birds flying around a lot, too, as I recall. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Praxis. I, I can't remember why it's called Praxis, but because they're just not memorable. But uh, yeah, I, I, but I don't see them pulling that off in 19th century China, maybe. Well, here's hope. That means they're going to pack a lot of junk into the last one. That's what it means. I think that's inevitable. I mean, I think that's always been inevitable. <laughs> I, I wish they wouldn't, but there we go. All right. Well, that's, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> nothing, if you have nothing else. No, no. Listeners, thank you. Well, Simon, thank you for choice. <laughs> it's all thrown off. It's Everything's out. It's all a time loop. We'll just do the whole thing again. Well, okay. In that case, and listeners, thank you for joining us and join us again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.